This is broadcast producer Desi Doyen. We're off today, so please enjoy this encore broadcast from August 23rd, 2023. The fact that very, very few of our public officials and very, very few of Republicans in general have spoken a single word against January 6th and the former president's role in that, in my view, a testament to how lost the Republican Party is at this point. Oh, they're not lost. I know where to find them. They're all lined up for mugshots in Fulton County, Georgia. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From the Pacifica Radio Network, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, so the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. And hey, if nothing else today, uh, Desi Doyen, hi. Hi. If nothing else, we've got the uh, long-awaited return of Randy Rainbow on the broadcast at the end of this hour today. So there's that. Indeed. Something fun to look <clears throat> forward to. Otherwise, uh, full coverage or whatever coverage it is worth uh, will be on tomorrow's program of Wednesday night's first GOP presidential debate of the 2024 season fe- featuring eight Republican candidates, at least as of now. None of them them named Trump. <laughs> who was either too cowardly or too smart to bother showing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to field questions from debate sponsor Fox News, who uh, wasted, uh, well, I guess more millions of dollars, just add it to the three quarters of a billion that it cost Fox News to settle a defamation lawsuit with Dominion voting systems for playing along with Trump's voter fraud lies in the 2020 election. How much longer are you going to keep playing the stooge there, Fox News? 
Though don't stop on my account. Hey, listen, do what you got to do. Anyway, more on Trump-related election fraud and on how long Republicans are going to play along with his never-ending cons in a moment. That was, by the way, Judge Michael Ludig at the top of the show uh, in, in that open quote saying that the Republican Party at this point is lost. Michael Ludig was, is, is, was one of the most conservative judges in the nation. He was first seated by Ronald Reagan, I believe. He was considered by at least three different Republican presidents for the Supreme Court. And so for him to come out and say that about the Republican Party... It's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Anyway... Uh, you know, uh, in lieu of, you know, the Republicans, as he notes, you know, having any sort of policy positions on any actual real issues of note these days, other than culture war nonsense. Um, well, well, anyway, we'll have more on that in, in a moment here. But uh, quickly, uh, th- this breaking this afternoon, what's the old saying? If you come for the king, you best not miss. Mercenary leader uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who led a brief armed rebellion against the Russian military earlier this year, was on the passenger list of a private jet that crashed on Wednesday, killing all 10 people on board. That, according to emergency officials in Russia, it wasn't immediately clear if Prigozhin was actually on the plane. The crash immediately raises suspicions since the fate of the founder of the Wagner private military company has been the subject of intense speculation since he mounted the mutiny. The Kremlin said that uh, Prigozhin would be exiled to Belarus, but the mercenary chief whose troops were reported to have been some of the best fighting forces for Russia in Ukraine. They have since pulled out of there. Uh, But he has uh, since reportedly popped up recently in Russia, not in Belarus. A plane carrying three pilots and seven passengers that was en route from Moscow to St. Petersburg went down more than 60 miles north of the capital, according to officials cited by Russia's state news agency, TASS. It was not clear if Prigozhin was among those on board, though Russia's civilian aviation regulator said that he was, in fact, on the manifest. Vladimir Rogov, a Russia-appointed official in the partially occupied Zaporizhia region in Ukraine, said that he talked to uh, Wagner commanders who confirmed that, in fact, Prigozhin was aboard when the plane crashed. Prigozhin's top associate, Dmitry Utkin, uh, was also said to have been on board. If confirmed, no one should be surprised, said U.S. National Security Council spokesperson Adrienne Watson in a statement. However, Keir Giles, a Russia expert with the international affairs think tank uh, Chatham House, urged caution about reports of Prigozhin's death. He said, quote, multiple individuals have changed their name to Yevgeny Prigozhin as part of his efforts to obfuscate his own travels. Hmm. Giles said, let's not be surprised if he pops up shortly in a new video from Africa. Okay. Uh, Flight tracking data reviewed by the AP showed a private jet that Prigozhin had used previously Uh, took off from Moscow on Wednesday evening, and its transponder signal disappeared minutes later. 
The signal stopped suddenly while the plane was at altitude and traveling at speed as if something caused it to suddenly blow up in midair. Yeah, and there have been some videos circulating on social media that yep. do appear to show a uh, an explosion of some kind and a piece of something falling from the sky that appears to be a jet. Those are unconfirmed, but they do sort of support the idea that perhaps the plane might have been shot down. We will keep our eyes on that story, but I am guessing at this hour it that what it sounds like uh, is what it actually is. We will see. Meanwhile, back here at home, as a brutal heat dome sits above the Midwest yet again today, smack dab in the center of the country, it's, it's actually supposed to be as hot or even hotter on Thursday this week in my old hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, than it is predicted to be in Phoenix, Arizona which has been facing a record months-long heat wave this summer with blistering temperatures, even for the desert. So uh, remember those Republicans pretending to be infuriated about school shutdowns due to COVID? Well, just wait until they hear about climate change and what the climate crisis is now doing, even in normally cool locations like the locations of the first GOP debate of the year, that would be Milwaukee, Wisconsin. According to Madison, Wisconsin's Channel 3000 today, students in Milwaukee had the day off on Wednesday due to the ongoing heat wave. According to uh, the announcement from Milwaukee Public Schools, after-school activities, athletics, recreational uh, recreation, child care camps, community learning centers, safe places, and Milwaukee recreation programs are also canceled due to the heat in Milwaukee. The closure comes as temperatures across southern Wisconsin soar into the 90s with heat indi- indices. Is that how you say that? Yep. Heat indices rising above 100 degrees in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. District officials said they will continue monitoring the forecast. An excessive heat watch is still in effect for Milwaukee County for Thursday. So what's the uh, GOP position on our climate crisis as they debate in Milwaukee, where schools were shut down on the same day as their presidential debate, their first one of the 2024 season? Well, uh, that debate has yet to air as we go to air today, but we can take a guess based on comments from folks like Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, one of the better known candidates among those Republicans who are running for president. Uh, He had this to say about our climate emergency just about a week or so ago on the very same day that Maui was burning. This right. is ridiculous to talk about a climate emergency when we have a border emergency that is an existential threat right now. <laughs> this, yeah, uh, Senator, the climate emergency is a existential threat right now. It is real. More than 100 Americans were confirmed to have been killed by the wildfires in Hawaii with about a 1,000 still missing and feared dead, even as you, Senator Scott, were minimizing the climate crisis, the climate emergency, in order to pretend that issues at our southern border were were real, while climate change somehow was not. 
Issues at the border, by the way, about which your party has refused to adopt any real policies to try and solve for years now because it's a better campaign issue, apparently, than an actual policy issue for Republicans in a party which has no such policies anymore. In fact, when it comes to any actual policy issues, the Republican Party has none Even their party platform, uh, after Donald Trump instructed the party not to create one back in 2020, doesn't actually exist. As Congressman Jamie Raskin noted last night, I believe this was on uh, MSNBC. Donald Trump basically wiped out the idea of there being a party platform. Uh, The Republicans haven't really had one for a long time. The platform is whatever Donald Trump tells them to think about any particular issue. Um, What is their position on climate change, for example? They're in complete and total denial about it. It's 115 degrees for a month in Arizona. The water is 101 degrees in the ocean in Florida. And they have nothing to say about climate change. Nine inches of rain in Vermont and uh, a mass death toll in Hawaii. And they act as if nothing's happening. So I'll be curious to see if any of them even raises the question of climate change. Yeah, you know what? I'm going out on a limb here. Since the debate has yet to actually air, but I can almost guarantee you that none of the candidates are going to raise the issue of climate change. Now, the debate moderators, uh, they might, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum of Fox News, they might raise it. Though even that seems to be a long shot based on a long history of even non-Fox News moderators failing to ask questions about the climate crisis during GOP presidential debates over the years. Because I guess it's, you know, it's just not either a real or existential issue going on right now, except for everywhere where it is, as we have seen over and over again this summer alone, And speaking of the party parroting anything that Donald Trump tells them to believe, as the disgraced former president stands accused in a uh, a four-count indictment at the federal level and a 41-count racketeering conspiracy indictment in Georgia for his many failed attempts to steal the election, based in no small part on his knowingly false claims of massive Democratic voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election, As you know, we've shared whatever confirmable evidence that we have been able to find regarding election fraud in the 2020 election. And time and again, whatever fraud is confirmable, by and large, appears to have been carried out by Republicans. In Michigan, where 16 fake electors just weeks ago are now facing eight counts each related with election fraud and forgery in Georgia, where a whole bunch of uh, Republicans are, uh, 19 of them, uh, are accused in the RICO charges for various efforts to steal the election and tamper with voting systems in Arizona uh, and Florida, where a handful of voters were arrested and charged with voter fraud, usually for double voting in two different states, and in Ohio today. A story from that otherwise liberal, woke, Democratic bastion of Cleveland, In Cuyahoga County, uh, Ohio, as reported by Cleveland.com, a Shaker Heights, Ohio attorney who donated to ex-President Donald Trump's campaign was convicted on Tuesday of, yes, election fraud. Once again, for voting twice 
in the last two general elections. Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Court Judge Andrew Santo, uh, Santoli ordered sheriff's deputies to take James Saunders straight to county jail after finding the 56-year-old guilty of two counts of illegal voting. Judge Santoli held that Saunders, again, he's an attorney, that he cast ballots in both Ohio and Florida in the 2020 presidential election and the 2022 midterm general election. But it's even worse than that. The judge noted that voting records from both states show that Saunders also illegally voted twice in the 2014 and 2016 general elections. So he's been at this a while, apparently, but prosecutors couldn't charge him for those uh, votes because the statute of limitations had already run out. Saunders will be sentenced next week as he now faces anywhere from probation to three years in prison. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley said after the hearing that Saunders' case is the only instance of a person actually voting twice in Cuyahoga County in several years, which, by the way, I find very hard to believe. Even if such cases are rare, but uh, in any event, this guy is the only one that uh, the Cuyahoga County prosecutors actually caught. Quote, it appears Saunders felt he was smarter than the system, O'Malley said. He was wrong, he continued. Well, he was smart enough to get away with it for almost 10 years. Yeah. Judge Santoli also ordered the Cuyahoga County Public Defender's Office, which represented Saunders after his May arraignment, to turn over the results of its investigation into Saunders' financial status to determine whether, in fact, taxpayers should actually be paying for his representation. He is an attorney, after all. Judge Santoli rejected Saunders' argument at the uh, one-day trial where Saunders did not take the stand or present any witnesses, that he accidentally cast two ballots. Four different times. Four different times. uh, That he did not mean to commit a crime. Did I mention that he's an attorney? And that he shouldn't be prosecuted in Ohio for the vote that he cast in Florida, which I got to hand it to him, actually, is a pretty novel argument. If he if he voted illegally in Florida, then how can Ohio charge him for it? On the other hand, if Florida charged him, they wouldn't be able to charge him for voting illegally in Ohio either. So luckily, the court did not buy this ridiculous <laughs> uh, argument. Yeah. And at least they put him in some actual jail, even if it's just county jail for now. And even if it's just for a few days until his actual sentencing. But the fact that the uh, judge ordered him to immediately go to jail suggests to me that he is going to get some prison time. Now, I will note that uh, one of the most common forms of voter fraud is actually people who vote in two different states, like this guy did. And many of them actually uh, did didn't commit a or well didn't think they were committing a crime when they did it. They think they're actually allowed to. For example, if they own property in each state, they might vote in person in one state and request an absentee ballot from the other. Some think that they are allowed to do that, to vote in each state in the same election, even though they are not allowed to do that. So uh, th- that's why many of the folks who end up, uh, you know, getting charged with this end up receiving a slap on the wrist. Yeah, there's some genuine confusion for some people. Exactly. They might get a small fine or community service or something, especially if they are white people. But this guy, 
This guy was an attorney, and he absolutely knew better, and he appears to have gone out of his way to pull off these crimes. The, uh, the, the, the witnesses, mostly who were county officials, testified collectively that Saunders voted in person at the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections on October 21 of 2020 and requested an absentee ballot be delivered to an address that he used in rural Virginia. So was he trying to vote twice in Ohio as well? Cell phone tower uh, uh, data places Saunders' cell phone at his Virginia address on November 1, 2020. And then it shows that he drove down to Broward County in Florida on Election Day, November 3, and cast his ballot in person there as well. So he voted in both states in person. In the 2022 general election, he voted by mail in Florida in uh, November, and then he voted in person at his precinct in Shaker Heights back in Ohio on November 8, uh, according to witnesses. But if he was uh, found to have only voted illegally in general elections, how do we know that he was actually a Republican? Well, in addition to being an attorney, he was also a Donald Trump donor and a regular donor to other GOP groups. FEC filings show that Saunders made multiple donations to Trump's reelection campaigns, both in 2017 and in 2020, as well as super PACs supporting Trump's candidacies. Saunders also made several reoccurring donations beginning in in, uh, in 2020 to the National Republican Congressional Committee and to Win Red, that's the GOP's fundraising platform. The most recent donation was December 2021. So yeah, I think he was a Republican and a Trump supporter. Add him to the list, lock him up. Of course, that guy, uh, you know, he was just a common attorney who, who turned out to, to be a criminal. Then there are the attorneys that are elected by the people elected, in fact, to be the top law enforcement officials in their state. In the case of Texas, they reportedly elected this guy three times to be the top law enforcement official in Texas, even though two of those times he was already facing criminal indictments on securities fraud charges. And yet, apparently, the voters of Texas with one of the lowest voter turnouts in the country, apparently they did not care. They just kept electing Republican Attorney uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton over and over and over again. Paxton, when it comes to election fraud, is also one of the most litigious prosecutors in the country, most notably these days, for attempting to throw out the entire 2020 presidential election in four different states. That was fun when he tried to use Texas to say, we have a right to challenge the elections in those states Other that states. are not us. We'll throw them away. He filed a lawsuit with the U.S. Supreme Court at the time, falsely claiming massive fraud in Georgia, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, tried to take away the votes of every voter in those four states. You know, that in order to have Donald Trump crowned somehow as the winner of a second term in office. Uh, That suit was uh, thankfully laughed out even of Trump's own corrupted, stolen and packed far right Supreme Court. And it was filed not only while Paxton was still facing those securities fraud charges himself, but while he was already under investigation by federal prosecutors for abuse of office 
after his own top lieutenants in that office filed a criminal complaint about him with the FBI. And yet he is going out and making claims that voters should have their votes taken away in other states, millions of them, just because, apparently. Uh, this, of course, uh, you know, this guy is a leader of the, uh, you know, pretend law and order Republican Party. After Paxton was reelected, incredibly enough, by uh, Texas voters just last year in November, his own party in the uh, state legislature finally decided enough was enough uh, this spring, and they impeached Ken Paxton on a whole passel of charges. Isn't that a Texas word, Des? Passel? Isn't that what you people? Close enough. All right. Uh, Anyway, Paxton has been trying to get those uh, charges, those impeachment charges, tossed out somehow, even as he is forced by Texas law to step aside from his role as attorney general while he awaits trial in the state Senate for potential permanent removal from office. Now, as it turns out, Paxton's wife, Angela Paxton, Well, she happens to serve in the Texas State Senate as a senator. She has not yet said whether she will recuse herself from his trial, which is slated to begin on September 5, uh, along with a vote on his removal if he is found guilty. Another unresolved question is whether Republican Senator Brian Hughes will recuse himself. A legal opinion requested by Hughes at Paxton's behest as part of this criminal scheme that Paxton is involved with, is central to the second article of impeachment. So it's likely that Hughes will testify as a witness at the trial, but under normal Texas rules of court procedure, a material witness may not also serve as a juror. (laughs) Hughes, as of right now, uh, has also not stated whether he will recuse himself, as far as I know. In any event, we've got some new news on the allegations against Paxton for which he has been impeached. According to uh, CBS News Texas, new revelations have emerged about impeached Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and his relationship with indicted Austin developer Nate Paul, who contributed $25,000 to Paxton's campaign. And, uh, well, much more uh, he contributed to Paxton, as you'll see in a moment. The details come as Paxton faces his impeachment trial in the Texas Senate. They accuse him of using a fake Uber account so he could visit his mistress. Oh, hello. Who had been given a job by Nate Paul and of using burner phones and secret personal email accounts as well. Well, that sounds legit. Paxton, who remains suspended without pay after being impeached in late May, is accused of abusing his power as attorney general to benefit himself and his friend Paul, who has faced all sorts of criminal issues at the federal level for years, even as Paxton over and over and over again kept trying to help this guy out of those problems using resources of the office of the attorney general in Texas to do so unbelievably improperly, despite repeated warnings from Paxton's own top lieutenants to not do so. The uh, the documents filed by the Texas House impeachment managers state that Nate Paul had hired Paxton's reported mistress at his Austin firm so that Paxton could see her more easily rather than having to travel all the way to San Antonio where she once lived. Uh, very thoughtful, I think. You know, not, now that I think of it, though, 
maybe it will not be a bad thing having Paxton's own wife on the uh, <laughs> jury because uh, not recusing herself from the trial as a sitting senator. I see that point. Yep. Uh, although they they were seen recently like holding hands, walking into uh, one of these hearings or another. So apparently she's okay with it. I don't know. Uh, no judgment here on that part. On the crimes part, <laughs> yes, judgment. Anyway, the House impeachment managers in Texas said that uh, Nate Paul secretly paid for renovations uh, after a hurricane at Paxton's house in McKinney, Texas. Paxton is also accused of using the power of his office to interfere with a federal investigation into Paul and helping Paul avoid foreclosures of his properties. Again, using extraordinary means by his own office. Uh, For years on end, Paxton was doing this, including changing. He actually changed state covid policies for the entire state in order to help uh, prevent Paul from being forced to face foreclosure during the pandemic. The House managers are put and it went and it went against uh, everything that Paxton himself was out there saying about uh, covid and about the state's covid policies. But he went and changed his own policies in order to benefit this guy. The House managers are pushing back on Paxton's motion to dismiss the 20 articles of impeachment against him and his claims that voters knew all of these allegations before they reelected him anyway in 2022. So none of this stuff should count against him. In response, Paxton's lawyers issued a statement last week describing the claims against him as, quote, nothing but a sham and it should end now. (laughs) Gosh, it's a wonder this guy's been indicted so many times, really. Now, I have read the charges and they are anything but a sham. There are tons of witnesses to all of his apparent criminal misbehavior and abuse of office. Paxton has been under federal investigation since October 2020 when seven, seven of his own top handpicked lieutenants. These these are not, you know, lefties or or uh, deep state, uh, deep Texas uh, government employees or opponents of Paxton's. These are the hard right dudes that were hand selected by Paxton to be his top officials in the office. Seven of them went to the FBI with allegations of bribery and other potential crimes back in 2020, hoping to expose the entire scam with his buddy Nate Paul and apparently the favors that Paul had done for Paxton in, among other things, hiring Paxton's mistress, all of which clearly, at least based on Paxton's behavior, allowed Paul to hold Paxton hostage to that fact. You know, if 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 you don't do what I'm telling you to do, Paxton, I'm going to expose your girlfriend who I hired. The House managers point out that Paxton is hoping to have it both ways here in his argument for tossing out the impeachment charges. As they uh, they write in a filing last week, uh, quote, the facts show how Paxton denied his misdeeds and covered his tracks so he could help Nate Paul. The facts are important. They detail the extensive steps Paxton used to morph the office of the attorney general into Paul's concierge law firm and along the way cover up his abuse of the office. And these records show how time and time again, OAG, that's office of the attorney general, senior staff continually beseeched Paxton to not let Nate Paul use the OAG for his counterattack 
on innocent citizens and law enforcement. Paxton claims the public knew about all of his misconduct and by reelecting him in 2020, I'm sorry, in 2022, that they must have forgiven him for his offenses. Substantial evidence shows otherwise. Paxton's denials, half-truths, and downright lies enabled him to conceal the truth from the public. Now is the time for trial to proceed, they write. It is logically and legally inconceivable that the public can have forgiven conduct that the office holder denies he ever committed and adamantly seeks to hide. So, yeah, they forgave me for what I didn't, didn't do. tell them I didn't do. Paxton is the third state official to ever be impeached in Texas, aside from being under federal investigation. And by the way, he has gone hard after uh, people that he has found to have committed election fraud, voter fraud, even in cases where they had no idea they were committing fraud. Aside from being under federal investigation, Paxton is also facing state securities fraud charges dating back to 2015. His impeachment trial begins September 5. He's scheduled to return to a Houston courtroom in the state criminal case on the uh, securities fraud. Finally, on October 6, he's denied any wrongdoing in the cases involving the federal investigation, the state criminal case, and his impeachment. But... He is certain that the people of Texas have forgiven him for the crimes that he never actually committed. Got it? Yeah. We're keeping our eyes on you, Ken. We've been watching you for years. And yeah, you're in trouble, dude. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more accountability for more GOP attorneys and scofflaws and rapscallions. And as promised, there's a musical Randy Rainbow at the end of today's Pot of Gold. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At The Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. that a lot this week i guess <laughs> welcome back to the bradcast brad friedman from bradblog.com in more surrender news today by republican attorneys and a few other republicans who aren't attorneys but mostly it seems like attorneys who are finally facing accountability for criminal acts in state after state after state Rudy Giuliani turned himself in at a jail in Atlanta on Wednesday on charges related to efforts to help Donald Trump steal the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. The former Republican New York City mayor and longtime federal prosecutor was indicted last week, along with Trump and 17 others. That's 19 in total as part of a wide-ranging RICO or racketeering conspiracy uh, indictment 
an effort to subvert the will of the voters after the Republican president lost to Democrat Joe Biden. Bond for Giuliani, who was released after booking on 13 of the 41 criminal counts that were brought by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, was set at $150,000 for Rudy Giuliani. That is second only to Trump's $200,000. He was also charged on 13 counts. A $100,000 bond was also set for Trump-allied attorney Sidney Powell on uh, on Wednesday, one of several people accused in a breach of voting equipment in rural Coffee County that you may have heard about down in, uh, in South Florida. Sidney Powell surrendered at the jail later on Wednesday. So did Misty Hampton. She was the Coffee County Elections Director when the breach happened. She reportedly invited all of these MAGA folks in to make illicit copies of the state's Dominion Voting Systems hardware and software. Now, I say reportedly in this instance regarding Misty because all of Misty Hampton's emails and her laptop computer from her time as Coffee County Elections Director has been disappeared somehow. Funny how that works. At least as of now. And, and neither the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger or the Georgia uh, Bureau of Investigation, the GBI, appear to be working too hard to find those emails from years of Hampton's service in the county. We know about some of Misty Hampton's involvement here, largely thanks to a lawsuit brought by frequent broadcast guest Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance against uh, Secretary Raffensperger. She exposed the Coffee County breach thanks to a call that was f- made to her, which she recorded and we first aired on this program, a call made by Atlanta bail bondsman Scott Hall. He is also a co-defendant in all of this. He def- uh, surrendered uh, yesterday at the Fulton County Jail. Among the records that Marilyn Marks was able to obtain as part of discovery in her case, challenging Raffensperger's use of unverifiable, highly insecure touchscreen voting systems across the entire battleground state of Georgia, uh, what she was able to obtain acknowledgments from Trump campaign staffers that Misty Hampton had invited them to come on down and have at the voting system, even if we don't yet have the original invitation that was reportedly sent by Hampton herself. Hampton had her bond set on uh, on Wednesday at $10,000. Powell, Hall, and Hampton are charged with participating in the racketeering enterprise that was led by Donald Trump, allegedly, and also for several felony charges related specifically to the Coffee County breach, including conspiracy to commit computer theft, conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy. They actually got access to voter data. Confidential to the, voter data. Correct. According really to, sensitive stuff. According to uh, Willis's uh, indictment and, and conspiracy to, yes, commit election fraud. What do you know? Another group of Republicans charged with election fraud. 
For his part, the 79-year-old Giuliani is charged with making false statements and soliciting false testimony, conspiring to create phony paperwork, and asking state lawmakers to violate their oath of office to appoint an alternate slate of pro-Trump electors. Trump, incredibly enough, still uh, is the early frontrunner in the uh, 2024 presidential uh, Republican presidential primary in a party which I guess may pride itself on nominating someone charged now uh, facing standing accused of 91 felony charges pride themselves on uh, uh, nominating him to be the next president of the United States. I guess that's all we can assume. Uh, anyway, Trump has said that he plans to turn himself in at the Fulton County Jail on Thursday night during prime time on television, of naturally. Course. Also uh, on Wednesday, D.A. Willis's team urged a judge to reject requests from uh, from two of the people that were indicted. That would be former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. Yes, another Republican attorney. He at the uh, Department of Justice at the time tried to uh, convince the acting attorney general to send out false claims, false uh, letters to these battleground states like Georgia, falsely claiming that the DOJ had found massive fraud when they had not. So uh, those two were trying to avoid having to be booked in jail while they fight to move their cases to federal court. They argue that the charges uh, brought against them were related to their work as federal officials. And that the uh, the state charges against them should therefore be dismissed or at least brought to federal court. Uh, now, mind you, Jeffrey Clark was the environmental attorney yep. at the Department of Justice. And nothing against environmental attorneys, but I'm pretty sure being an environmental attorney head of the, that section at the DOJ had nothing to do with sending letters falsely claiming fraud to states around the country, asking them to reconvene their legislatures to uh, choose a slate of electors who the people, the voters, did not actually choose. So while those motions uh, had been pending, they were arguing that they should not have to turn themselves in for booking at the Fulton County Jail. Well, just before airtime today, the federal court denied Clark's plea for a stay to avoid his booking until his uh, hearing in federal court, which is scheduled for Monday, following his plea to the court that it would be too inconvenient to fly down to Atlanta on such short notice before his uh, before his Monday hearing. Why don't we just do that? That'll save everyone the inconvenience. Well, it will save him the inconvenience. Now, Willis. Uh, has set a deadline of noon on Friday for all 19 co-defendants who were indicted last week to turn themselves in. She was very clear in her initial response to Mark Meadows' attorney as to whether he would be granted extra time before the Friday deadline to surrender. She wrote to his attorneys on, uh, on Tuesday via email, quote, I am not granting any extension. I gave two weeks for people to surrender themselves to the court. Your client is no different than any other criminal defendant in this jurisdiction. In her email, she said the two weeks was a tremendous courtesy 
at 12.30 p.m. on Friday, I shall file warrants in the system. My team has availability to meet to discuss reasonable consent bonds on Wednesday and Thursday. Yours in service, Funny T. Willis. Now, uh, just before airtime as well, judges appear to have rejected the uh, former Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and, and uh, Jeffrey Clarks, as I mentioned, their attempts to avoid arrest in the election uh, theft case down in Georgia. So now both Meadows and Clark will need to show up in Fulton County and be booked or face uh, a potential arrest warrant from Fonnie Willis, who I think actually means it. David Schaefer. He's a former Georgia Republican Party chair. He served as one of the 16 fake electors for Donald Trump. And Kathy Latham, a former Coffee County GOP chair, she's accused in both. In both, the, She has the distinction of uh, being charged in both the Coffee County breach and for being a fake elector. They both turned themselves in on Wednesday morning as well. Also surrendering Wednesday were... Republican attorneys Ray Smith and Ken Cheesebro, who prosecutors say helped organize the fake electors scheme and the meeting at the uh, state capitol in Georgia in December of 2020, who... uh, New York City attorney known as Southpaw on Twitter quipped as uh, as his mugshot was being taken, quote, say cheese, bro. (laughs) So uh, uh, let's see. That's uh, I think that's what's going on. I think that's most of it happening in Fulton County today. A whole lot of surrenders. They're all coming down. They're all coming in. Maybe they're getting it out of the way before Donald Trump shows up. I haven't done the math, so I'm not sure how many there will actually be when he shows up. And by the way, when he shows up, will he have to wait in line for a few hours behind some of these other folks who have yet to show up, like behind his own uh, chief of staff, Mark Meadows? We'll see. There you go. Maybe they are all turning themselves in ahead of time so that he can have the full TV experience the full <laughs> OJ slow motion Bronco yeah, drive, right. do all of that at that media circus that he loves. Yep. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, South Paul, again, uh, the attorney from New York City, uh, echoing our comment near the top of the, uh, the show today when I mentioned about if you, if you go after the king, make sure you don't miss. He tweeted something similar today. He said, I think the lesson of today and really the last several weeks is this. If you try a coup, make sure it works. But if it doesn't work, you should flee all is discovered. Forsake your domestic comforts and choose exile. That's his <laughs> advice there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, then again, do I have time? Yeah, okay. A, a whole bunch of uh, not yet criminally indicted male Republican attorneys who now sit as state Supreme Court justices in South Carolina, they decided on Wednesday that, yes, big government can absolutely interfere between patients and their doctors. No problem. In fact, we mandate they do exactly that. South Carolina's brand new all-male Supreme Court on Wednesday reversed course on abortion in the state, upholding a ban on most such procedures after about six weeks of pregnancy before many women even know that they are pregnant. The four-to-one 
uh, ruling departs from the court's own decision just earlier this year to strike down a similar law. The continued erosion of legal abortion access across the U.S. South comes after Republican state lawmakers replaced the lone female on the court. That would be Justice Kay Hearn. Writing for the new majority on the all-male high court in South Carolina, Justice John Kitterich acknowledged that the 2023 law infringes on, quote, a woman's right of privacy and bodily autonomy. Well, that sounds bad, but... He added, the state legislature reasonably determined that those interests don't outweigh, quote, the interests of the unborn child to live. As a court, he wrote, unless we can say that the uh, balance struck by the legislature was unreasonable as a matter of law, we must uphold the act. Well, do you think that an all-female Five-person court, even if they were all Republicans, would have allowed the state to infringe on a woman's right of privacy and bodily autonomy and say, well, that's okay. It was, in fact, a woman, the lone woman, uh, then Justice Kay Hearn, who reached the uh, mandatory retirement age and who wrote that the uh, majority's lead opinion in January, striking down the ban, uh, in that decision, she wrote that the, the, the court ruled then that the law did, in fact, violate the state constitution's right to privacy. But no more, apparently, just eight months later. The Constitution hasn't changed in South Carolina. I wonder what has. Once Hearn reached the uh, court's mandatory retirement age earlier this year, the Republican-dominated legislature was able then to put Gary Hill on what is now the nation's only state Supreme Court with an entirely male bench. I'm sure the citizens of South Carolina could not be prouder. All right, a quick break, and we are back with a much-needed, long-overdue new tune from the great Randy Rainbow. That is straight ahead, mercifully, on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. The Bradcast survives thanks to you and your support. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us continue to do over your public airwaves what we try to do five days a week. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thank you. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bradcast. I have missed Randy Rainbow. We have desperately needed Randy Rainbow. He hasn't been uh, making as many new songs. I think he was out on tour. He's still out on tour. He had a book. Uh, So, boy, boy, howdy, am I glad that uh, he's got a new piece out for us this week. Uh, Randy Rainbow's latest great tune. Um, Well, give it a listen. Well, we're back again, and joining us now on his way to surrender at Georgia's luxurious Fulton County Prison, GOP frontrunner Donald Jessica Trump. Or do you prefer Rico racketeering? <laughs> Let's cut the shit. You've just been indicted a fourth time, bringing the total number of felony charges against you to... 
91. Just nine more and you get a free mugshot. It's called election <laughs> interference because I'm leading everybody by a lot in the polls for every Republican, frankly, and every Democrat, including Biden, by a lot. You know, I got to hand it to you, Mr. Former Fake, one term, twice impeached, currently four-time criminally indicted, not my president girl. When people call me names or, you know, threaten to lock me up for 70 years for plotting to overthrow democracy, I'm in bed for a good week. But you, you just keep throwing parties for yourself. Last night I had a rally with tens of thousands of people. Good for you. Forget those trolls. You've got a country to destroy. You know, your delusional narcissism is inspiring. Don't do it. In fact, it reminds me of a song I once knew. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't tell him he's a dirty lion bragger. Life's Big Macs and the sun's a ball of MAGA. Don't anybody dare a rain on his parade. I don't have a lot of time. Don't call him when new charges have arisen. Don't tell him he's about to rot in prison. Don't even just a hair a rain on his parade. His whole campaign went right off the rails. Perfect phone call. Still each arraignment just makes his day, girl. So don't you try to spoil it. Hey, girl, those boxes in your toilet. But whether he defies a fair election or tries to organize an insurrection, this simply awful, slimy asshole of a guy. He won't be bested when he's arrested. He just bamboozles and bluffs. Ooh, ain't he nutty? He can run, but he can't win a race in handcuffs. No time for DOJ to dilly-dally. Tell Jack Smith, go away, he's got a rally. So take a hike and don't rain on his parade. He's gonna run and run fast. Run from his criminal past. Watch how he tops every pole. Once he gets out on parole, he's headed right for the slam. One more indictment. Hey, Mrs. Willis, here I'm afraid. He's so indicted. I didn't do it. And he just can't fight it. People are very angry about it. He's about to lose in court and he doesn't like it. For a perfect phone call. He's so indicted. Yeah. Got him burning. He just can't fight it. Crimes keep turning up. And yet they still, they still, they still, they seem to want him. him free fuzz quit stomping on his garden because he's counting on a pardon melania go ring janina tucker they're gonna need to spring this motherfucker no and he oh no hunty indictment don't go rain on his perfect phone call Hey, welcome back, Randy Rainbow. Uh, we love you, and not a moment too soon yeah, either. No uh, very nice. <laughs> All right, we have got to get out. Uh, I hear there's uh, something on TV that we'll have to watch tonight. I'm just still laughing like over the yeah. fact that Randy Rainbow called that don't arraign on his parade. Yeah, you just. <laughs> 
getting that now, <laughs> no, are you? I just think okay. it's hilarious. Yeah, it is. All right, but we do have to go. Thank you very much, Randy Rainbow. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free Every show at bradblog.com. Every show that we have ever done. Going back, I don't know, 15, 20 years, you can download for free at bradblog.com. No paywall. That is made possible by those of you kind enough and thoughtful enough and courteous enough to hit one of those donate buttons at bradblog.com or just go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Uh, you can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and site formerly known as Twitter, I am the Bradblog. I hope to see you there. And yes, special coverage, special GOP debate coverage. Don't <laughs> look at me that is. way. Such as it is, such as it warrants. We'll see how much it warrants. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it will be special no matter what. I'm guessing Digby's going to be here. Oh, definitely. Who else? We'll find out uh, on our next thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Until then, thank you very much. We'll see you there. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1900. That was the day that folk singer Malvina Reynolds was born to a Jewish family in San Francisco. Her parents were socialists and operated a tailor shop. Malvina learned the price of speaking out for what you believe in at a young age. Her parents opposed U.S. entry into World War I. Because of this, Malvina's high school would not issue her a diploma. She was able to still go to college at Berkeley, where she eventually earned her Ph.D. She married carpenter and labor organizer William Bud Reynolds. She became a prolific folk singer, playing around the Los Angeles area. During the 1960s, she wrote about songs supporting civil rights and labor rights. Her song, Free Enterprise, offers the lyrics, The air you breathe is poison. The food you eat is worse. The dollars in your paycheck are pennies in your purse. There's nothing free about it. You pay at every turn, except the guys in Wall Street who have the stuff to burn. They had to make new brain machines to count their profits rise. But since there's always room for more, they can still make their profits soar. A little war does wonders for free enterprise. Perhaps her most well-known song is Little Boxes. The song was inspired by driving by hillside houses in Daly City, California. It talks about the conformity of middle-class suburbia. They are put in boxes and they come out all the same. And the boys go into business and marry and raise a family in boxes made of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same like what you hear check out more at laborhistoryin2.com and a blue one and a yellow one and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same you're listening to the american democracy minute keeping your government buy-in for the people 
Nine conservative-leaning states have pulled out of ERIC, a cooperative of states which uses advanced computer matching to keep voter rolls clean. Now, a group of GOP activists is launching its own system called Eagle Eye Network and pitching it to counties and states and for use by activists in challenging voter eligibility. NBC News and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, tipped off by video presentations to GOP activists obtained by Watchdog Documented, reported that the rollout of the effort is being aided by former Trump election lawyer Cleta Mitchell. NPR reported that Mitchell helped seed doubt and encouraged states to pull out of ERIC. As we've reported, Mitchell's Election Integrity Network and other conservative groups have lobbied state legislatures to aggressively pass laws allowing more poll observers, public access to voter information, and a loosening of rules allowing challenges to voter eligibility. The founders of the Eagle Eye Network, spelled Eagle AI, were recorded pitching the system to activists, specifically mentioning that the system would flag the eligibility of voters at homeless shelters and nursing homes, according to NBC. One of Eagle Eye's founders says the group is in talks with Georgia counties. In a statement to NBC News, Georgia Election Director Blake Evans said, Eagle Eye data offers zero additional value to Georgia's existing list maintenance procedures. We've linked our sources at AmericanDemocracyMinute.org. I'm Brian Beal.